Listeners everywhere, welcome to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan, the weekly fix for your screen addiction and a trusted source for discussion of all things film and television. Please keep in mind that for the purposes of this podcast, Joel and Ryan are not acting as journalists, but rather fellow moving picture enthusiasts. All of their opinions should be taken as such. Also, please be warned that while Joel and Ryan may seem like petulant children, they are, in fact, adults who may occasionally use adult language. While they promise to bleep out all the worst words, it's a good bet you will still understand what they were saying. And now, with no further ado, here's Joel and Ryan. everybody welcome welcome to the movie show with joel and ryan i am joel and i'm ryan did i catch and you smiling there when when the song started ending i couldn't tell and uh, no i i i, I couldn't i, I, I have like no idea wiggling around and smiling i don't know i know it's been a long day and I'm, it's nice <laughs> to hook up with you for the podcast but yeah Yep, it's been a bit. The song of a, helps, been... doesn't it? I mean, it helps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you're like, it's <laughs> like something about yeah. it. It's like, hey, there they are, ushering well, in another it... movie show with Joel and Ryan episode. Yeah, almost yeah. two hundred of them. Almost. Yeah, almost. I, in fact, that's yeah. I gotta, I gotta get on that and line up uh, whatever whatever I'm gonna do for that. Whatever I'm gonna want to surprise Ryan with. If you can't get uh, anybody to come, because I would understand at this point, maybe, maybe you could just do like you could just do the sock puppets of them or something, and I could just do that with those. Yeah, that would be a sock puppet Ryan and a sock puppet Joel. I have a sock puppet. Um, I don't want to say who it's based on, but she's got uh, red hair and pigtails, and she gets the names <laughs> of movies wrong a lot. And she like every once in a while she likes to do movie reviews and sometimes she'll like sing a song about um and she's going to be a very special guest probably not until sometime after the 200th episode because I can't make a sock puppet so I got my buddy working on it so we can <laughs> bring her back to life because it's very very awesome awesome I love that yeah and, it should and... be fun we'll see you'll have to. You'll have to break out uh, something, the piano or the keyboard or something, because you have to play to the accompaniment every once in a while. Not every, there's not a song every time, but every once in a while you'll have. But it's really easy. The accompaniment's the same every time. It's, which is should be should be no problem for a man of your skills to accomplish. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, hey, everybody. So um, was last week's show nerdy enough for you? Because I sure, um, I mean, look, we know who we are. Yeah. We we know our role. We know, and and uh, it was, uh, to me, it was wonderfully nerdy. I, 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 um, I'm always fascinated by. I, I think I said I don't think I said this on uh, on the air. I think it was after we were done, where I was saying, um, you know, I, how how we how a director composes the visual element of of the story is always fascinating, and how that has excuse me how that has evolved over the years uh i i find fascinating well so. i don't know if i said it i might have said it on the air or other i think i did but i always say you know like the 
part of cinematography I don't really understand. I kind of under. I mean, I have some understanding of it, but the part that is magical to me is lighting. And there's mm-hmm. very few things as as important to the process as that. And yet it's something that we can't wrap our brains around. We know what blue is, but what is blue with light shooting through it? It's a whole different thing. And it, yeah. it affects things totally differently. So that, that to me is always mysterious, but I always feel like, you know, lining up the people, uh, composition and angles and stuff like that stuff I can really get into. So when you talk about the shape of movies, you know, it's fun. And, and just, I got to say, like I said last week, just going through screen grabs of Ghostbusters to find the shingle for the show was super fun because you just see how even something like that, like how much artfulness went into its making and stuff. It's, yeah. it's, it's really neat to be reminded of that because less and less movies these days sort of do remind me of that. They, 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 when they say they don't make them like they used to, they really mean that they, they, they don't, they don't make, I just say they don't make movies like ghostbusters like they used to (laughs) because they still make really art films that are really gorgeous and that are visually splendiferous. And every once in a while, one of those peaks into the mainstream or a big budgeted movie is still done that way, but it's, it's very unusual, and if that's not to say, you know, that's not to say, oh, this such and such superhero movie or whatever, this Mission Impossible movie, like, aren't hard to make. That's you know, couldn't be further from the truth. There's a lot, obviously, that goes into that, mm-hmm. but simply painting the picture is 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 a, a, it's not a lost art, but it's a bit of a losing. It's it's a part of the art that we're losing slowly because. Like I said, because people are just like I can, I can follow this. I don't care if the sides are chopped off. I mean, I don't care for whatever. Right. That's that's important part of it, but being able to follow it, but it's just it's not it's just, it's not it's not the only it's not ultimately what makes things special. Mm-hmm. Just narrative. That's not enough. It's a visual medium. There's a lot a lot of other things going on. A lot of other things in the toolkit. Um, one big one that we didn't talk in, about in our production meeting episode way back when we're talking about tonight. Right. Right. Yeah. We're going to, um, <laughs> we're going to get into uh, a subject that Ryan and I uh, know intimately, uh, but also uh, is, is also can be incredibly frustrating. Uh, it can be maddening. And I do think maddening is different than frustrating. Um, yeah, we're gonna um, we're gonna talk a little bit about acting. Brilliant. Yes, we are going to tackle what it means to act for the camera, acting for film, acting. What makes acting good? Why is acting good? What do the actors do to make the good? Uh, what are the kinds of things that they uh, they're doing? So it's gonna be. Yeah, we're going to and 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 you may get a little insight as to um how Ryan and I in our illustrious careers as performers um how we how we pr- have approached characters um and uh the answer might surprise you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, so we're uh, we're calling this one 
the acting show. I'm a big actor. Look at the great big actor on the stage. I yell the loudest. Look at me. Um, that's from one of my favorite sketches on Mr. Show, uh, where the, the Bob and David were, Bob and Kirk, David Cross, they're like trying to pay tribute to their guidance counselor, Mr. Phelps, uh, and, and how he helped make them who they are. And they're like, we're actors now. And he's like, well, good. I hope that. I hope that, uh, that that leads to something. And they're like, well, we have our own show. We're, we're, you're on TV now. And it's like, well, that's good. That makes for a fun hobby. And they're just like, God, and, they're, and then they're like, and he's like, oh, acting, you know, and they're like, we work really hard. And he's like, no, you don't. Acting is easy. It, that's basically just who can yell the loudest. And, you know, and then it just everyone, yeah. And uh, maybe There's it, a great behind the scenes story of the his first first season of Fargo that Bob Odenkirk tells about how he's just sitting around waiting for a setup or something and and Martin um who's basically Freeman. starring yeah, yeah Martin, Martin yeah, Freeman he's, he's hanging out there and and Bob you know hadn't been or he I guess he had been on Breaking Bad by this point, but it had just been on it, and it had mostly been in sitcoms and and obviously very famously improv shows and sketch comedy, which he's incredibly dynamite at. But he said, you know, it's just different. He goes, I didn't know what I was doing, and I I it was sort of awkward silence. I don't know. So you know, in comedy, what we do is we're like, hey. What if you did this? And what if I do that? And then what if we tried this? And what if you're thinking this? And blah 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 blah. Like you just, it's all. Uh, let's try that. Let's do mm-hmm. this. And he kind of tried that. <laughs> and Freeman just just hurt. You know, sat there, herded him out. And then when the silence came back to the situation, he said, "Don't ever tell me how to act again." And walked away. <laughs> Yep. Um. So, so we'll talk about. Then, there's yeah. a lot of different yeah. approaches. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you find so, them yeah. out the hard way, <laughs> as, as Bob did. Yeah, and then and that's kind of the that's kind of the structure of the shows. We'll talk. Um, we're you know we'll talk. There's basically kind. I mean, there's a million different nuances to the stuff, but there's kind of five major sort of techniques. Um. Oh, and we just said uh, that it it's it some people are really really good at acting and they don't even know what they're doing. So there really are like what your approach to it is it's 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 it, it, it Joel said at the beginning yeah. while we were talking before the show it's completely subjective and it's really is super individual. It's still though fun to evaluate different schools of acting and and give we'll try and give some examples of them but it, you really can't even with people who really are that who themselves will say openly that they are hardcore into this kind of thing or that kind of thing it it's such a personal thing that it it, it that every single thing is it's different it's 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 mm-hmm. totally what you and your personality and what the inner workings of you sort of bring to it and that's right. that's fun to think about it that way but but and, yeah, and it, you know, and also uh, as we, you know, as we talk about in our in our you know behind the the scenes in our you know uh, production meeting episode, um, 
you know that that that's also part that's part of the element that sometimes is forgotten though is that as an actor you know you can go through all of these things that we're going to talk about uh and if you uh, and and it may make you a tremendous might give you tremendous insight on creating a character and you might create the greatest character that anyone has ever you know put on celluloid but if you're an but it's a collaborative art form and if you're an asshole um that is going to you know there were times where being an it was okay to be an asshole and you still sort of got away with it if you were a good enough factor um and those uh there are less and less people that that the people are you know you you need to you need to have so if you are one of these in, in some of the methods that we're going to talk about, if you're someone who gives yourself over to the role and, oh, I become this person for the entire time, if that makes you a dick, um, that's not, that is something that is going to come back and it certainly nowadays is something that's going to come back and bite you in the ass. So um, I, so I only say that to say uh, if you are in a, aspiring actor and for some reason you stumbled upon the movie show Joel Ryan's acting um, uh, episode here or <laughs> if you were one of my former students that I used to teach acting uh, I, <laughs> I was like keep, keep your crap together just just keep keep your shit together uh, when you're off stage or off camera too um, you know it's not it's not always about the art actually well and we'll get that we, we can get to that at some uh, later there's a there's a great melissa mccarthy story that she told that that actually is i've been it's been tumbling around in my head pretty pretty much since, since the you know i saw it almost a week ago or whatever um so anyway uh acting uh, that's the most you, visual element it, yeah it is, go uh, ahead it, it, you know the arts are collaborative and and the other thing is is you can do all that do all that difficult emotional engineering and all that stuff and come up with something great. And you're still at the mercy of all this other things and this other departments and the yes. editing, which take they use and how you look in it. And certainly the writing. You know. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, right? How many times have you like done a take, uh, done a take on camera or you've been in, uh if you've been on stage and you're like i absolutely i nailed that one <laughs> i that's the one i nailed and then you either watch the final cut or you go into a note session after after a stage production and they're like oh that's not the take they used yeah, yeah. Didn't you, that, the, the one that i totally felt it or or you'll get a note of like if, you, if it's a stage performance you're like yeah that was can you you know can you bring that you know that that was and they give you a note on it of of to change it and you're like oh. so you know we're not always the best judge of uh, what we're doing and maybe maybe that's why we only achieved the levels that we achieved well, uh, and I had a good actor too, a friend of mine. It was when they were going through um, grad school. They said, you know, they were sort of eager to please and sort of take every note. And their their one of their professors, their advisors, by the end of the program said, you don't have to take every note. You know? <laughs> Sometimes you just yeah. sit there politely nod and do what you want. I mean that. You, you, I don't want to send you out in the world thinking that you are not 
ultimately in charge of your own performance. (laughs) And I feel like I'm safe saying that to you because everything that I've ever seen you was, I've seen the effort to try and get whatever you were told up there. And I've seen it, you know, I've seen it work wonders, but I've also seen it sort of derail whatever your process is. And then, you know, it's sometimes the people given the notes, sometimes even the people in charge aren't necessarily right about something. It's, that's part of what's weird about it. It's a really, really weird, I mean, any creative endeavor, which I think most people have had some kind of one, like, where does that, where does the inspiration come from and stuff? It's, and Mm -hmm. you know, it, it it is, it's one of the most subjective things there is truly. It's so right. Say that off the top and then just understand that as we go through this. Yep. Uh, All right. So we talked about a little bit about the stage um, and obviously that is where, especially in the early days of film, uh, and you know, once we got into you know, early days of film, that silent movie acting was stage acting, and so the big broad gestures, the the overwrought facial expressions, that worked because it was silent. It was the picture is the picture was king on on all of that, and you needed to have, uh, you know, those, those that that largest that that largeness of performance uh, was necessary. I'm not, I'm not um, the, 100% sure that it was, <laughs> but well, I, I should maybe not. I'm sorry. I'm I shouldn't say necessary. Yeah, uh, it was it was sort of just the given the known. That, that was the big, known. That's that what big the, demonstration what, really did fill in where the words would be to a lot mm-hmm. to a lot of degree, and so to keep it you know, keep the clarity going, even though you're reading stuff in between each little section of film. So yeah. I and it's like a lot the... of silent films that we've watched a few lately and it's interesting watching yeah. that, man. It's interesting watching the Douglas Fairbanks's and the Ivor Norvellos, you know, mm-hmm. doing their thing with their massive eye makeup. <laughs> yeah so much eye makeup joel anyway i don't think that has to do with acting technique but i just um back uh, in those days holy smokes and 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 it it it, so it's interesting but it's not necessarily you know movie actors that are a few of them from the stage but a lot of the best stage actors really looked down on film right and really didn't get involved in it uh, like in the way you thought there'd be a sort of natural migration to it. It was really considered a lower art form and stuff. And it really was these guys. It wasn't so much the guys from the big shows or whatever at the turn of the century. It was the guys from vaudeville and the guys that could, that were really visually uh, dominated and mm-hmm. what they were able to communicate that made the stuff work. And that's why you, that's why those best, uh, best early silent films are, you know, by the Buster Keaton films and the Charles Chaplin films and stuff. Yep. Yeah. And Harold Lloyd and, you know, so, um, yeah. So, you know, so you look back at, you know, and that, that, and that stagey sort of, um, very, uh, what presentational, type of acting you know that that you know that still gave us some great performances all about Eve betty davis you know betty davis that that was still just like i'm showing up i'm saying the words i'm betty davis 
I, I know who this person is and that's, yeah. you know, I'm just right up, it, yeah. right up till the early eighties. She's just kept doing yeah. it the same way. And Betty Davis is a good yeah. actor. It's true. Yeah. And so, you know, Richard Burton is another one, uh, you know, and, and that sort of uh, that, that larger than life sort of style of acting. You think Richard we, you Burton's know, larger than life? No, I was going on to like uh, the people who are larger than life. Uh, that that style of acting, like William Shatner, like we sort of make oh, uh, fun of William Shatner, but you know that 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 came from say William Shatner's a fun one. I go back and watch. I mean, I was watching. Well, if you really want to see him at his best, go watch uh, Judgment at Nuremberg. He's fantastic in that movie, and he's he's acting opposite almost exclusively Spencer Tracy, who he worshipped, and you, mm-hmm. it, and it, 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 that doesn't come through the performance, but but his effort you know to to be good in a good movie is there and i was watching last night a a very not a very celebrated star trek the original series episode where these plants like make you really happy and just make you want to just hang out and not do anything they spit confetti at you which they call spores and they make you happy maybe some of you are familiar with this it's possible Mm. There are some, I wonder what, that, wonder what they there. were referencing. Wonder what they were referencing in that episode. I don't know, mm. but there's this great scene where it's like the, the only way to break the spell of the spores and get back your personal autonomy is to is with really large and primarily negative emotions. That makes the spores that are in you die essentially. And then and then you can control your own behavior and whatever. And so he figures that out you know, our beloved Captain Kirk. And he's got a, you know, first guy he's got to get back on his team is Spock, who's gotten totally off the deep end. <laughs> and and so he does it by insulting him into a fist fight, which is really hard. It takes a long time, a comically long time to get Spock mad at him. when mm-hmm. It would anyway, but under the influence yeah. of the spores and because he just kind of wants to explain things and, you know, just, it isn't that kind of dude. Uh, it takes a long time, but then it, when it, once it happens, it's over. He's throwing them around the room and stuff like this, and they're like, "Well," and then he finally figures it out. You know, he's about to smash the whatever thing on him, and he's then he's, "Oh, you you knew this would you know cure me or whatever." He's like, "Yeah," and so this is all a long ways to say it's because it's so stupid. But they get to the end of it and, and the end of the scene, and because I forget, because Shatner is such a He's such a big personality, and even and even in his prime, he was such a quirky, fun guy. The way he would do stuff, so you forget how you forget that with that leading man, good looks, and all that stuff that he had, that 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 what brought him down to earth, strangely, was the confidence in himself. And you feel that every time he does something natural or normal or that feels really truthful, it comes from that place of. Yeah, I'm pretty good at this, you know. What I mean? and, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so here, him and Nimoy, you know, great acting team. If there ever was one, and they're on there, and he said, Nimoy says, uh, "Sir, it's it's um, illegal. You know, it's against the it's a court martial offense to strike another officer or whatever." He's like that. He goes, he goes, that's he goes, that's true. But without the two of us, we won't be able to get this machine going that will free everybody of the spores, will we? And Spock, of says, yep, that's logical. And Chat does this. He goes, and turns around and heads <laughs> up the door. <laughs> and that, while well, that's yeah. 
a little silly. It's so like lived in and natural and wonderful. <laughs> and so I don't know why I'm telling William Shatner <laughs> stories or or playing out entire scenes for you here on the show. That's something we actually try not to do, but I felt like it needed some context. But it's it's not the whole the whole thing is whatever. The combat Star Trek yeah. combat is the funnest thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um it's it, what it is is that it's where it's even in this really silly moment at the end of it, even when he's got to do this wordless tag, he found the truth in that moment that was really, really like he, you, it's where I really this sort of era, you know, about halfway through the first season where you really start to see these guys start to get it and get the relationships. You know, when Spock says, Oh, you win the argument because you're the more logical, you know, man. Eh? What do you exactly? Mm-hmm. You know, it's fun. So I don't know. Yep. So um, even as demonstrative but, as he is, and I think his later, you know, he gets more and more cartoony as he ages, and I really do think that comes. It's fun, but I do think it comes from insecurity. I think you can't go back, and you can't get your hair back, and you can't get skinny, and you can't do any of those things, and you can't be that sort of rock star anymore. So you just keep piling it on. And I think he's a perfect, yep. I mean, because he's a good actor, even as an older guy, he really is good, but he, he's a case study in how, how that confidence, just that confidence to throw it out there is really, a, it's a superpower that you can't teach in acting. Yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, we could do a whole show on William Shatner stories and just the chat. We could um, do it. I mean, we could do it because he is really delightful to watch through the years. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, even when he's silly and stuff that that and even in one of the not so good Star Trek movies, that scene where um, where the Klingons kill David on the planet and he and he, he they inform him and he steps back and trips on his chair like, yeah. OK, that's metaphorically weighty in a lot of ways. It's. You know, it's thematically on the nose, and yet he does it in this way that's really, really good. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it, you could talk about Shatner and where, you know, when he's got to deliver the big moment, you know, he pretty much does that. And when he knows he's just a clown, he, he's the most fun, goofiest clown to be around, you know. Yep, yep. Um, so... Um... It was the Russians. It was the Russians that changed everything. Um, I think it was in the, the, I want to say the 20s. It might have been the 30s, but I think it was the 20s when the Russian National Theater came and toured, uh, toured through the United States, toured through New York, toured through, uh, I don't know if they went to LA or not, but they certainly were in New York and the way they taught where, uh, and, uh, Stanislavski and the, the, the way the national, the Russian national theater, the way they approached, um, character kind of blew everyone's minds. And, um, and basically it, you know, in, in, class you know what we're calling classical acting but it's essentially like let's talk about betty davis so she's like for her it's like okay i come in here uh we have an argument and i storm out and i close and i slam the door behind me so all right let's 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 give that a go let's let's put it on its feet and let's let's figure it out 
the Russian, the, the Stanislavski would turn around and go, but why? Why are you coming in to argue? And why is all of this happening? And why would you, why are you slamming the door when you leave? And, and really making you, uh, this is where we get the classic, what is my motivation? Um, uh, that, that trope of like, yes, but what is my motivation? Yes. It's been eating um, this peach. Yeah. It's been parodied often throughout. It's, it's the very, if you want to make a, a, an actor on a sitcom or something be particularly douchey, then they would be, Ooh, what's my motivation or actor who lost his motivation, but. Opening of Tootsie opening of Tootsie where, uh, where uh, Justin Hoffman's character is just, you know, and they're like, well, can I need you back in that chair? I was like, but I'm, I'm here and I'm dying. And they're like, yes, but can you die back in that chair? I was like, sorry, I w- love, but you'll just yeah. have to do it. <laughs> yeah. The director says, and, I know yeah, it's and- awkward, <laughs> but the left and- side of the house can't see you tall. He says, I know that whole scene yeah. by heart. <laughs> um, well, yeah. But it's, it, here's yeah. a guy who's really professional and full of integrity. He's still a bit of an asshole, but it just can't, can't. And we've all been there. I've certainly been there. Which is like, I can't. What you're saying, like, I don't think it's ever, I don't think I've ever been told to do something as stupid as that. But I, but you, sometimes you get. Everything you've done up to this point, you're like building blocks on things. And somebody tells you Mm -hmm. to do something that you feel just knocks them all down and says, forget what you've been doing for two weeks. Do this. And you just hit the brakes and can't go on. You know, maybe Mm -hmm. you find a way or maybe you find a way to rectify things back together. But so, yeah, he won't he won't do it. Loses the job. Yep. Um, Goes down in flames, but for the right reasons. Yeah. So, uh, um, so the, the, yeah, the idea of asking why the idea of internalizing the character and, and not just, not just playing the, the given circumstances, that's a, some, what we should talk about a little bit, the given circumstances of, um, you know, I think in classic acting, that's, that's kind of where I was like, okay, here's what's happening. Great. Let's do it. Um, this, this is, is what I'm doing. Uh, Yep. If you bought Bella Lugosi's uh, book on acting, it's literally just a bunch of headshots of him. Yeah, showing you what different emotions look like and telling you to practice them, repeat them, and then ultimately, at least when you get to the end, make them your own. Um, right. This is what angry looks like. I mean, it's, yeah. it's literally oh. that's what it's telling you. And now yeah, somebody's that, asking a question, what motivates you to do this? And all I really do believe that uh, as silly as it may sound or as a, big a joke as we might make out of it, all modern acting is goal-oriented. And yeah. the engine that drives almost every decent performance that you've ever seen is driven by you know is run by and fueled by why and and that starts with desire it starts with what do you want what are you trying to get out of this because if you think about Mm -hmm. your even your life and acting isn't like living exactly it's make-believe of course but 
what it you it's what you want out of every situation that you walk into that is the thing that that keeps you putting along and it, that mm-hmm. motivates you to sort of act and do and choose the different tactics that you do to basically to get the things you want it doesn't mean you're some super selfish person some people want what's best for everybody and i mean it's yeah it, you well know, yeah some people and, want and more a, for others than they even want for themselves. But what you want, what you're trying to accomplish, if you just look bad or play sad without the why, it feels demonstrative and it feels empty. And once the camera got quieter and it got tighter on your face and it, and your performances had to get more real to mm-hmm. accommodate that... Um, that was the most necessary yeah. tool. I can't, I can't tell you. And that's a lot yeah, of people I mean, would, know that instinctively, you know, you don't necessarily have to know it to be a decent actor. You just, you just still have to have it be happening in there somehow. I really believe it has to be part of it. Right. Right. And once, yeah, once no directors to under- Bella, thanks for the memories, man. You're awesome. No. Nope. Nope. Um, but yeah, well, a little, I mean, little that, presentational that, for my tastes is all I'm saying. Well, you know, and that, that, that is a particular acting, you know, style into itself. Uh, but it, um, it, yeah. Once you ask the, once the director, luckily it kind of all, you know, it all fed on each other directors, the, the technology got it so that you could do more with the camera. You could move around more with the camera and, uh, and directors uh, figured, you know, that they they started playing around with how stories are told, and 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 um, and yeah, the idea that the camera can pick up uh, the the camera will immediately know if you're lying, uh, if you are, and and if you if you as an actor check out, like once you make your decision, whatever process you've gone through to create your character, if you lose your focus for even just a moment um, and that camera is nice and close on you, it'll, it'll pick it up. It'll pick up when your eyes glaze over just for that brief moment when you're like, did I leave the oven on? It, it'll pick that up. Um, even if you ne- barely move, it's, it's, it is a weird, creepy thing. Um, the camera will find the camera will find, uh, everything. And so it does mean that whatever your way into these characters, uh, is, and there are countless uh, number of ways to find mm-hmm. your motivation and, and endless yeah. amounts of tools that have been developed throughout the year and different approaches. Yeah. And all, yeah. Like Brian is saying, all, all of, all of these tools, yeah, are designed to, to answer that one fundamental fundamental question is what's why your, what's your goal in this situation? Yeah. What are you, what is to my, achieve? why is my character doing what my character is doing? What do they and want? What do they want? Not how and do they feel? Not that that's not important, but yeah. that, that is, that's a, yeah. that's a relatively stagnant thing in acting. Whereas what do you yeah. want is a train yeah. rolling how down you, the tracks. How you feel effect you know can can play it is part of what you want i mean you what you want is affected by how you feel and you know and, and that whether or not you get it is mm-hmm. and whether or not you certainly get it certainly affects how you feel your feelings but 
But it also, you know, and, and, and we always talk about like, oh, my motivation. And we, we think about it in these grandiose terms when, like you said earlier, Ryan, sometimes your motivation is just, I, I just want to hang with my friends. Like, I don't want, I don't, I don't want to get kicked out of my cool group here. It does not um, have to be lofty all yeah. the time. That's true. Yeah. And, you know, like, cause look, whether you're doing Hamlet or whether you're doing guys and dolls, you are going through that same process of figuring out what does your character want out of this, uh, you know, and, um, and, and you and the thing is, is you also as an actor, you are looking at what does your character want over the course of the entire story? And then you also have what does my character want in this moment, in this one particular half a scene, in these six lines? What is it that my character wants? And then do, do you get it? No. OK, well, then you have to, you know, try a different approach to it or a different tactic or then you know because sometimes within a scene as you're breaking down a scene your character may want one thing gets it and then immediately moves on to the next thing that they want or they they want one thing they don't get it and then they change and they decide okay well then if i don't get this then i want this thing over here and then you know it just it kind of and so within one scene you can have multiple things that you have to break down and it helps you create a character because uh, if that, you do all of these yeah, with earnest feels more and, believable for sure yeah and and if you approach and, and you know and then uh yeah and then it creates then you have to ask like who is this who is this person who is this character that i am tasked to portray um and we get into uh you know so, so stanislavski the russian method uh of, of there are two two actors in New York who were really affected and they went on to sort of open their own acting schools. And that was Lee Strasberg and Stella Adler. Um, and they, the two, the influence that the two of them had on a generation of actors um, that's, it's like a Bill Walsh coaching tree in football. It is just like, it just goes out and the, the roots, the tendrils are many and mighty um yeah. yeah uh so that idea of i have to um i have to like i have to inhabit this character i have to do everything that this character has done and and you know uh, i must live my life as this character that that comes from these two uh, in in different in different ways but they, they really they believe in the uh full immersive give yourself over to the character um uh, uh, of these you know the, James you know the, the when you hear these stories of, of actors like staying in character the entire time that they're on set and they re make people refer to them by their character names uh character's name I should say um that that comes from this style of acting I call the Strasbourg method I call the be the ball Danny it's what you have to be that that's where you also get the the trope of um, you know, in acting schools where you're like, lay on the ground and believe you're a lizard and you need to be a purple lizard. What does a purple lizard look like to you? What, you know, be the purple lizard. 
And it's like, and you as an actor have to figure that out and give yourself over and strip. And it's all pretty much made meant to strip away any artifice, any, any judgment that you might have so that you are feeling the, trying to feel the emotion of whatever scene, whether it's happy, whether it's sad or really, really feel it. And, and to do that, the, 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 I don't know. I don't know how much the Russians were into this, but the but the American school of method acting really, really yeah. is. Maybe they were a lot. I when I say that, I I don't mean do it. I mean I don't. I really don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. The uh, but I know when you go out to New York and you get into one of these conservatories and you really, really dig deep into this, it's it's there's a term. This isn't the only thing but this is a great one to talk about that demonstrates a big part of what these schools require you to bring a lot of your own trauma and your own trouble and your own feelings to the process it's called sense memory mm-hmm. and sense memory is basically you, you remember it remember when you felt that way and then use that to fuel the emotion in this thing because mm-hmm. it's real feeling that you had a real experience you went through. And then that reality will come through in this fictional setting. And I don't, I have a, I struggle with, I really struggle with that part of it. I get emotional when I'm acting, but it seems when I'm doing it, that it happens when I'm just doing, when I'm just following the mechanics of it, like it, that yep. seems to work. Whereas that I seem to trip myself up trying to pull emotions from the past or whatever. I mean, it in a basic level, if you have mm-hmm. to cry or something, it helps to think of something sad. It it's it it's a little more complicated than that, but that actually follows a certain kind of logic. So it's not like I'm against this idea, but sense of memory is weird and there's all these little things you have to go through and work through the personal object and stuff. There's a whole checklist of them. And um but the important part of that i think and the thing that endures from that is that there that yourself and who you are in most cases is going to be a big part of this make-believe person that you put on and Mm -hmm. and and i think there's a lot of ways to bring yourself to something but you're not just putting on a disguise. And I really do think that's sort of a breakthrough in acting. And it's, it does start with the, with the, right. With Adler and, and Strasberg for sure. It's, it, this, you know, it's you that's out there. That's what they're going to see. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to remember that too. Even if you're being a villain, you're representing yeah. that villain. You know what I mean? It's you that's doing yeah. that. It's, it's, it's really, um, yeah, it's, uh, ah, crap! I can't remember who the one who was that that said it, but there was a, they're like, well, um, what you know, what do you, what do you think this character looks like? And uh, and they go, well, I think it looks kind of like me. Um, it's a good <laughs> one. I'm it's a good one, one to trot out yeah. at an audition for sure. Yeah, I was um, thinking somebody my type. My type, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Like when you're, you know, when you're in, you know, in the rehearsal room, you're like, well, who is this person? Well, he's a guy. He's uh, like in my case, he's like six one. Um, you know, he's 
200 pounds and uh um so you know and um it's, yeah and he's got thinning hair or unless you know unless i'm wigged um but uh yeah so it's like but that that is it is going to there are some you you can't really uh there is going to be an element of you that is going to make it into every part you play just because you are you that that's part of the point and it's um and, and, and so and it's okay to understand that and even yeah, yeah. embrace that it's not something you have to fight against mm -hmm. probably yeah and, you know and and i you know i and uh, what what ends up happening and and you know adler was more the you know imagine you know that's the they imagine the the point in your life where you where, where that happened to you bring, pull that in mm -hmm. um and, you know, uh, there's there uh, Strasburg, the, the being of the character, you know, that's where you get the, the, the stories of like De Niro, right, driving a cab around for a month to so that he would, you know, and just immerse himself in that cab culture and essentially become a cabbie and mm -hmm. do everything for taxi driver. Uh, the famous story uh, from Marathon Man, where Dustin Hoffman uh, worked, or, you know, walked the streets of New York all night in preparation for the morning shoot where he had to play where his character had been walking the streets of New York all night. And, uh, Sir Lawrence Olivier sees him and he's like, well, God, Dustin, you look like hell. Why, why, yeah. why do you look like hell? And to tell the and story Dustin's properly. Like, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but yeah, to tell the story properly. He doesn't call him Dustin cause he never learned his yeah. name. He yeah, calls him my dear boy. My dear, my dear boy. <laughs> yeah. He's like, my dear boy, you look horrible. What? And he's like, well, I've been, I've been out at walking the streets of New York all night in preparation for this scene where I've been walking the streets all night. And the, he goes, my dear boy, why don't you just act it? <laughs> and um, yeah. So, I mean, the idea, you know, so and that idea Dustin Hoffman this, who denied that for years, finally yeah. a few years back said, nah, it's maybe a lot now, 10 years ago or something. He finally said, Actually, a conversation like that very much did did happen. I was really, really ragged. Uh, it was for other reasons. And when he asked <laughs> me, I sort of came up with this. Well, it's you know the acting or whatever, because I'm exhausted. Because there was actually all this stuff going on in my life, and I was having relationship problems, and I was just tired all the time. And he goes, and he did say something like that. But I, but he said, but he didn't really mean like, oh, you're not acting. He just meant, yeah don't torture yourself you don't know kill I mean? you yeah and that's you know I, I yeah that's how i that's how i've always taken it too like you, not that you're less of an actor what you're doing isn't acting it's just you don't have to kill yourself <laughs> to i mean and that's i will say that is a that is a uh a uh something that i personally you know took took to heart i um yeah, it, it very rarely did I have a part that, or did I invest so much of myself in a part that I, you know, was able to, that I was unable to function outside of, you know, outside of my character. It's, it's a job. This is your job. And your job is to do what you need to do to be emotionally available and, and, and it's, the character it's make believe and, and it's you, pretend it's and make -believe. you, you, yeah. you, we humans are really, really gifted with imaginations and we really come out of the womb ready to do that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it, it, you do it on the playground as a kid. You do it every time you make a 
you know, draw a picture as a kid. Like it's you, you, making things up. Uh, yeah. You know, the best acting you ever do as a person who doesn't study acting at all is when you're lying to somebody about something. That's acting. <laughs> yeah. And it's so, so it's not it, the, uh, so getting deep down and studying or uh, like you say, immersing yourself, you can't, you can't argue with the, like the results of, early De Niro it's fantastic yeah. what shows up on film because of all that all that effort that goes into really you know they say they had to go <laughs> uh, for untouchables they had to go and find the kind of silk underwear Capone wore and he wanted to do the whole movie in that even though it wasn't something anyone was ever going to mm-hmm. see that may sound ludicrous, but if the results are good, you can get away with a lot of that. As Joel said, right. that's not really right. being an asshole. That's being a star who's got a little bit of power and who really does want, to the degree right. that they can, transform into somebody. I sort, yeah. of under, I sort of get, I sort of see, I haven't heard yeah. too many stories about that that didn't result in awesome performances, but then yeah. maybe that's why we... And- there is, I mean, there is, there's an element to that. And, and, and that the underwear story made me think of it is that, that is also an approach to acting that kind of, yeah, I remember, uh, you know, Gilgood, John, Ke- Sir John Gilgood always would say that he, you know, he, there was always a, a, a touchstone at some point that was the characters that once he got that in the rehearsal room or once he got that on set, he he instantly found his knew it what his character was whether it was a prop cane whether it was a per- particular piece of clothing or something you know it's like it's, there was always that so he um, always built his character essentially from the outside in there was some article or some prop that allowed him to like ah if my character has something like this I under I know exactly who that character is now, and he can start building that character and finding that finding whatever the motivation. You is. want a want a Gilgood story that proves your point about the camera? Absolutely. In Murder on the Orient Express, when they're when they bring him to the cabin where the murder happened, you can literally see on screen him lose his place. And the other actor come in and save him. It's in the take in the movie. <laughs> Gil Good, really, really good. Excellent stage actor, obviously knighted by the Queen, the works. But very. But he worked for a long, long time as an old man because he lived for a long, long time not being able to really remember anything. The famous story, mm-hmm. in fact, as, as Michael York tells it, was that on stage with another knighted guy, they were playing some Shakespeare thing, and somewhere in there, Gilgood started playing the other character. (laughs) (laughs) And just out of politeness, or because he knew the play really well, I can't remember who the other other knight was, but he just switched, and they kept playing, and then they sort of got off stage and they got John back on the train and then they headed out on stage and did it. So, but That's, I mean, yeah. so the more, one of the things is the camera catches it. Maybe if you're not looking as an audience member, you don't see it. Once you know that scene goes that way and that he misses a line and gets fixed and that's for some reason a major motion picture just was like, well, that works. 
and yep. put it in there because maybe there was something else great about that scene. I don't know. The right. or that take or maybe all the other takes were even more disastrous. It's hard to say why <laughs> that one got in the in the movie. Mm-hmm. But Gilgood was acting way into the late nineties, and he this is the thing in seventy seven where his his memory was already going and and what's great about that other than like I say the camera catches everything absolutely catches that so it's fun to go see how you can't you mm-hmm. can't just not notice it and the other thing that's cool about it though is he his his technique and he's an extremely technical actor served him really really well won him an Oscar in 1981 for Arthur it like just sent him kept him busy and kept him doing the thing that he loved even when the there was a lot of the little things of acting that you had to have sort of abandoned him he's still super effective and stuff and so that's it's it just shows you there's a lot of ways to get there it's there, there a lot of people have to help you along the way but there's a lot of ways to get there and gilgood's a, a good case study in that so yeah um yeah, so you know, so that that was that that's a particular technique is to find that external thing that is going to help you understand your character and and build your character from the outside in. Yeah, just don't uh, let Donald of, Pleasance eat candy the entire movie. That's not right. That's... Uh, but then there, then there. Oh my also dear the girl, Lord Olivier says. Yeah. <laughs> oh, to Kate Nelligan. Um, oh, be careful with Donald. <laughs> he gobbles up screen time he's a what did he call him a handkerchief actor <laughs> <laughs> and you can uh, watch watch pleasance's career sometimes he's the lead and he's chill but mm-hmm. sometimes he's just the old guy or the dad or something and when he's that he he's just always doing something that they can't that they have to wait till he's done with before they can edit. Right. You know, this is a long ways from Die Hard, where they're editing on camera moves and all film is changing the way it's made. There's a certain mm-hmm. rules to how you used to do stuff, and if somebody's doing this, you have to wait till they're done before you can move yeah. on with the show. And nobody right. knew that better than Donald Pleasant. So it's fun, fun story. Uh, <laughs> so uh, within the idea of. Uh, uh, of this building the character from the inside out, the this sense memory, the thinking back, the discovering who this person is, uh, and what their you know what their history is, what their relationship with their father was, and et cetera, et cetera. That sometimes um, these are the kinds of questions that you can ask of your character to help you build. Um, if if it, I, I always I. I Let's get talk about that. Building the character and asking those questions. What were their home life? What was their home life like? How did they grow up? But did you ever did that ever help you? Because I always found that it was like that's that's all fine. But when you're in the moment of this particular in, in the story, when you're in that moment, you're not, you know, you, that's the the play or I'm the not script playing, the, script, the yeah. script sort of asks you those questions when they're relevant and then you, you have when to they're answer relevant. them yeah yeah when they're when they're relevant to the action in the scene or whatever so uh, i've never i don't want to say i don't dig deep or i don't imagine things about the character but i i don't mm-hmm. i don't bury myself in this fictional yeah 
you know, past. But I, I do like to think that once I've worked on something for a suitable amount of time, that you can start asking me those questions and that it's not really a, like, well, I got to go work on this. It's a, I got the answers for you, baby. Like, I get it. I get this dude. And yeah. And they just come naturally. You know, you have to, you don't know what a character's last name is. Well, you, you, but you do, you, you haven't mm-hmm. been asked yet, and the play isn't asking you to worry about it, but when asked, hey, we have to address this letter to you, you know what I mean? What's your, so I was asked all this, what's your address, what's your everything, and I was like, oh, I just knew, I know all that stuff. Yeah. Here, I'll write it down yeah. for you. That's, yeah. you. So you learn things, I think, intrinsically without having to, and backstory is not nothing, it's important, like it's, it's, it is a really useful tool in making somebody come to life. But the most useful part of that for me is, is where you where you just have to know because the, the, because mostly the the piece tells you, and what it doesn't yeah. tell you, but you you can feel the page asking you or the scene asking you. You got to figure this out and then just do it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But like I said, yeah. it is a very real thing. Backstory. You know, what did you do? Blah blah blah. What, you know, the most recent yeah. thing I worked at, what did you do during the war? Like, I I could answer that question without hesitation, even though I hadn't given it any thought. Yeah. Because it, it, because I just was starting to understand that person. I could make that stuff up and own it. And I like being able to do that, but I don't, I don't, like you yeah. say, I, you were asked me, do you spend a lot of time doing that? No. Yeah, I really no. do think it comes to you if you're doing the right stuff, doing the right things. Yeah, if you have if you have a beat on the character, then then yeah, the, the um, and 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 like and like we said, it's not always just in drama. I I, I keep coming back to the guys and dolls. Why was Benny South Street's name Benny South Street? Uh, and and we're like, oh yeah, and and so we're all we we all were asking ourselves like like how how did Harry the horse get his name and how you know why why all these guys have and like is. And and suddenly, suddenly we realize, you know, I'm like, what I discovered is that in Boston there is actually a uh, there's a Bennett and South an intersection of Bennett and South Street right in Boston that um, actually was you know a little bit of a hotbed of crime. So I'm like, oh yeah, my guy's from Boston. And so that you know, I'm like, yeah. So like it, it was like in, in in amongst all these New York gangsters or whatever gamblers uh yeah no this guy's from boston and that you know so he you know remember that scene in gangster number one where he's talking about uh fat Vinny and skinny Vinny or whatever i can't remember the thing but he's like yeah he's got the little story where it's like yeah he he actually wasn't fat but it was because of this blah 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 and then when skinny pete came along he was fat but at that point it was too late to switch it around yeah um you can come up with a story like that for everything. I never thought about it for guys and dolls. Like, here, you know. Yeah. Because I, I think it's the South Street's easy to take advantage. But immediately you started asking those questions, and I was like, oh, what would that be? You know, it's. Yeah. That's part of the. I, that isn't something to be ridiculed. It, it It's part of the fun of it, honestly. <laughs> so here's. So here's a fun. Being quizzed a, on a, your character. Yeah. Is, is, for me, anyway, is fun. I think so. This is a so it it can also go too far. And let me give you an example of that. (laughs) I was playing the in South Pacific again, South Pacific, but I was playing a guy who uh, 
uh, I was a pilot. I was the airman who had to come in and explain how, uh, uh, how the, um, uh, Emil de Beck, uh, you know, and, and what was, you know, the battle that was going on and how, uh, you know, what we had to do. And when we were, we were the, the, the fighter, the, the, the airfare, the, the air and the fighting and blah, 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 and what the plan was. And, and, um, and for some reason I had it in my, I got it in my head that this guy, you know, because, because the mission didn't go well, that I was coming in like hot i was coming in hot under the collar mm-hmm. so i'm like so i'm like i'm like like and i'm like putting these things as i was ordered and well you know and i just i'm just delivering this this thing and, and and then um so we get done and and joe hodge uh the director um comes he goes you know this is south pacific right <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like <laughs> and i'm like yeah and he's like he's like so maybe maybe you can have that little bit of an edge but you know <laughs> we're about to we're about to sing a song here yeah, in just exactly. a little bit <laughs> and i'm like and i'm like point Got taken gotcha uh, yeah i'm like and i will say but that was fun to do in the rehearsal room. And he's like, and this is the place to do that. <laughs> and I'm like, done and done. And yeah, and then and I look back and I look at the other actors on stage looking at me, uh, you know, after I get that note. And, you know, <laughs> they're just, they're just like, damn, you just like went all in on this, the, 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 the mission. I'm like, yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it can go too far. Uh, there's, um, so uh, it, it, these acting techniques that, that's building the character, there are things that kind of became an offshoot of all of that. They kind of, again, all of these things serve the purpose of helping the actor find that the answer to that question of, of motivation. Um, and one of them is uh, uh, Sanford Meisner and the Meisner technique. And that is all about repetition. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's doing something over and over until it kind of goes, it, it's like, it's like sense memory, but it's creating the sense memory. It's doing something over and over and over and over so many times that it becomes instinctual and therefore natural. Yep. And, and, and it will read on, you know, and, and it will, it will read as natural because you have made it natural. Um, that's sort of that sort of falls in that, you know, like you have to live the life as the character. Um, you know, uh, you know, you have to, I have to be my character off screen. As you well. have to and get then, and a lot of actors are absolutely do follow this where they just d- drill the stuff. Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. is a really famous yep, Robert current Downey celebrity Jr. who I don't know if he's Meisner specifically, but he, knows everybody's lines. He knows his lines forward and backwards. He can write them mm-hmm. out and just writes them out a million times, like just gets to know it so much that when he's at, when the cameras roll, he can just do whatever. And it, and it, for him, it will be truthful because there's no thought to, there's no grasping for anything. There's no choices in the moment. The choices have all been worked it's not so much worked out, but they, without you knowing it, Mm -hmm. they've all been worked out and you just become the person. It is a tool in getting more truthful. And and you're essentially tricking your, yeah, you're tricking yourself into that truthfulness. That's yeah. Yep. And it, it, 
it it uh, while I will say that's that specific thing hasn't worked yeah. too great for me. Just another William Shatner story that's fun that we have actually told on the show before. But Nicholas Meyer said when he really wanted Shatner to not do something really big, he just made him do it a hundred times, and by the hundredth time, he'd be so bored with it that he'd just do it naturally. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he kind of knew where that would be. The big one is in uh, Wrath of Khan, where he where he says uh, the and it, the line. To be fair, the line in the script is a kind of a hard one not to give a wink to when you say it, but it's here it comes. He says that to Khan when he's about to lower his shields and get, you know, get back on even playing field with him and you know and send this transmission and he just couldn't get bill to just not hear it he just was here it comes and you watch it in the movie the take is it's perfect nick is totally right it would it would came in a good time during the process where he knew that about him because it really is it's still a twinkle in shatner's eye i don't think you ever rob him of that or you rob him of what's great about him but it's it's fantastic and mm-hmm. and i'll just say that that no matter what situation in repetition is a gift time is a gift to getting it right mm-hmm. the, but whether it's your free time if you got a day job or whatever it is you're doing the time to go through it that another time to go through it uh, there are a lot of directors will say, you know, they don't want it to, they don't, you don't want to rehearse it into the ground so that by the time it opens, it's tired or whatever. There is this sort of magic peak at the right moment, but repetition, the t- time to do it many, many times, the time to really, to really hit the boards when you know that you know it, yeah, it is awesome. That's a good feeling that's that's yeah. where a- acting well with confidence comes from so i mm-hmm. so i'm not i'm not a meisner guy all the way but i, I there's absolute truth in that yep yep it's well and if you're a kinesthetic learner if you were uh, if you were a learner by movement a learner where you have to be you learn stuff better when you're kind of on your feet or when you're moving and you're sort of absorbing it, uh, it, it, it through through you know that that it meisner is a, is a really uh can be a really effective tool um because you're you're getting it into your body your body you know you start associating you start associating lines with your with with how your body is moving and where you you know what how th- how things are happening and so it and then and then once you sort of have that and and have that assimilated into your body uh, then you can start to play with it and um and you know it so well that uh that you can that you can start you can start tweaking it you can start messing around with it and it all still stays very truthful um you know, and by tweaking and messing around i don't mean like changing the words or changing everything it's just like slight changes in inflection or changes in you know how um you know just but it gets to a point where you can um where you do know it so well that like you said what you do is truthful um kind kind of going back to the bella well it's the bella lugosi school of acting where it's just these facial expressions and here's my angry face and here's my happy face uh uh, which is, I mean, uh, which also was a big thing in opera too. And uh, there's uh, all these books of, 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 you know, it's like, uh, 
here, you know, here's your facial expressions that you were going to be playing for Don Giovanni. Um, and, and, and which is great. Uh, hey, it's in but, opera where the music's really, really hard and technical, you know, it's nice to have a shortcut to get yep. the sort of emotions, you know, in there that will still play to the 50th row or whatever. So right, I, right. in and, a way, you know, I don't also, even just, it's fun to make fun of Bella and the book because the book, yeah. is, the book is crazy funny, but yeah, but, but it's also, yeah, it comes from a time when, when literally you could, you would rehearse a show, uh, you, you know, the entire ensemble and everybody and all the other principals rehearses the show. And then literally your star arrives that morning because they were just at, you know, performing at La Scala and then, you know, whatever. And then they fly in and you're they're performing and, and they're like, yes, I, here's my Don Giovanni. I, you know, I have, and, and it's like, this is what I, you know, this is my Don Giovanni. You guys all have to adjust to me. Um, and because this is my Don Giovanni and it is by the book. And so if you have this by the book character, everybody knows what you're going to do when you come in. And that's why it was really great for the acting role, uh, for the opera world. Um, Chekhov um, and um, I can't he's remember Russian Chekhov's too, first he? name. Yeah, he's Russian. Well, what was his first name? Um, Anton? Yeah. And uh, Chekhov had, uh, you, you know, he he believed in universal gestures. And, and so that was that was a way. And, it you know, it, it, it kind of goes in with with the repetition of Meisner. But it's it, it is that it is that understanding of body language and what uh, what do certain positions of your body? What do certain gestures mean to an audience? It's the difference between. The, you know, it's this versus feeling. You know, versus that. It, it, it for the visual person for for the for everyone except for the four people who watch this video version of the podcast. It's the difference between arms crossed. Let me do that again. It's the difference between arms crossed and all closed off to uh, having your hands. You know resting on your hips and feeling you know your chest forward and, and everything open it's universal gestures like that um that it's that idea of body language and what that means for um uh what 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 certain gestures and and what your body language says about your character and what the odd and how the audience will almost subconsciously learn or react from your character when uh, I when I was that. in a one act festival in high school, I I was at it. I was performing in it, but I w w there with me was was Joel's um, mother in law, who taught me a lot about acting and was a really really great mentor to me in those days when I was just Paul rutting up the place. Um, oh, and, you were that good. Oh, you so you were yeah yeah you were really really good. I like felt really Paul good Rudd. about myself and figured that <laughs> would do the trick. And and to some degree it does, as we've discussed before. And we'll discuss a little before we're done here today. But but uh, uh but that's not the point of the story. The point of the story was we were talking <laughs> we had to all kind of agree on who the best actor was and he sort of handed out these little accolades for each show or whatever and I remember I got in a big fight with one of my well it wasn't really a big fight I just I made one of my castmates really mad at me 
because I was just considering somebody else and I thought that was weird. The whole weekend was rather odd. But uh, I was like, well, I thought I thought it was this guy. I thought he was the best one in the show. And she said to me, yeah, he was great when he was sitting in the chair. <laughs> as soon as he had to stand up and do something, he was terrible. And I was like, oh, it's, she's kind of right about that. Like, I hadn't thought about that, but that's where... That's what's true of, of me to a certain extent, too. You know, you got to play curly in Oklahoma or something. You got to do it with some panache. You can't just have your hands in your pockets and slouch around like 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 I would do if I was, you know, in in the Old West or wherever the yeah. hell that thing <laughs> takes place. The territory. The territory um, of. The territory. Oklahoma. You know, he's yeah. he's I, I got the confidence, but to me, it's all inner confidence. No, man, you got to throw your shoulders back and you got to stick your chest out. You got to, you, you, mm-hmm. and you're not doing these things because it's showy or it's, you have, you're doing them because that's what this guy would do. This is dude from another place, another time. And you got to demonstrate, you know, who you are. We got to see that. Yeah. Oklahoma is not served by having two Judds in the Judds dead scene. I can promise you. So you got to, Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, and that and body language things made me think of. Since you mentioned the genius that is Paul Rudd, mm-hmm. uh, made me think of Clueless and and the scene where where uh, uh, Wallace Shawn and I can't remember the uh, the the actress who's playing the 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 other teacher, and they're they're talking about like, oh, see how they both cross their legs towards each other. That is definite. Like that is definite mating behavior and, and everything. And they're, you know, I don't know if you're playing with your hair, that that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, so that, you know, that's just something that uh that that's another layer of things that check off at it. Think about Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean and what he does physically with his body and how that informs his character. And sure, um, Johnny Depp and really anything. And yeah, and Johnny Depp, yeah. I you know, yeah, I, I think the most obvious one is 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 uh because yeah. uh, that guy, you but, you right exactly. It's defined by the way he stands, by the way he moves, for sure. But that's it, you definitely mm-hmm. you know. Of course, he's played a lot of quirky people, and the quirkier the better. And you get to yeah, you get to get pretty big with that stuff on screen. And yet, mm-hmm. there are subtleties yeah. within that as well. That, that are, and I, and it's work. And think, it takes concentration mm-hmm. to be. I, I maybe this is showing what my weakness is as a performer but it takes concentration to be somebody else physically much much more than for me anyway mentally like and other people have other tools or other discomfort i have no problem sort of getting in the head and answering the tough questions but yeah i got everyone it's eventually i gotta get up out of the chair and the dude has <laughs> to still be there it can't just be me mm-hmm. with their words you know what i mean and and yeah some yeah. people learn everything the hard way, but I did eventually learn that and appreciate that. So, yep, it makes me, you know, in in doing some. Okay, Siri, thank you. Uh, in doing some of the. Okay, all of my series are going off at the same time. Siri's got something to say. <laughs> oh boy, uh, but I mean, you want to in in researching this stuff, uh, the Chekhov and the idea of universal gestures. Uh, Helen Hunt came up as, as someone who really uh, prescribes to uh, check off technique. And I'm like that, that would explain literally if you watch her, how many times 
you know, it's like probably like every time, like in every, always at like pinnacle moments, she always does a gesture where she puts her hair behind her ear. And I'm like, oh, that suddenly makes all the sense in the world now, because that is a gesture that clearly means something and that, and I'm supposed to get something out of that. And, and, you know, from her character that this was her character, you know, this is her listening and this is her being engaged. And I'm like, oh, that's a, that's, that's a universal gesture thing. Anyway. That's there's a, a, gr- there's a great uh, when Harrison Ford was on Conan O'Brien, Conan and Andy Richter put together a montage of him pointing because it's something <laughs> multiple times yeah. in almost every movie. And mm-hmm. it's something he does as a button, like a wordless thing. You know, mm-hmm. he points mm-hmm. and it was I mean, it's there. It's a game to Conan. It's a game to get Harrison on the show and to make him have fun. And he just was sort of always able to do it. You know, they, yeah, this famously curmudgeonly guy who I actually think does have fun doing the interview process and stuff, but Kona just wanted him to have a good time. And that, that montage that they played for him is, it's so funny, but it's, 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 yeah. a, it's a useful tool and it, it, it's, it really is. And and you, it shows you that Harrison Ford can't do that too many times. That works, man. That's a trick that works every mm-hmm. time he's got to pull that out. And I absolutely know Helen Hunt's. <laughs> I totally yeah, know the, that. the hair, the hair yeah. behind the ear. Yeah, exactly. And um, it's that's that's it's that's cool stuff. I sort of dig it. Real quick, real quick tangent sidebar on Harrison Ford. Uh, did you see the clip of? Of uh, because talking about how somebody who actually is having secretly is having a lot of fun with this stuff, there was a screening of the new movie. Uh, 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 and, and, and I'm assuming Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Yeah, the Dial of Destiny, the screening of uh, of Dial of Destiny, and um, and he was there, Spielberg, uh, uh, Lucas, uh, whatever, and then they're like. And they're like, and we thought we'd, uh, and they're talking before the screening and blah, blah, blah. And obviously, you know, everyone's going nuts and it's great. And then they, um, and then they go, and, you know, and we thought uh, it would be really fun to have a, uh, another little extra treat. Um, and so uh, John Williams and the, uh, and the, I, I, what, whatever orchestra, Los Angeles Symphony Orchestra, or whatever they were at, and he's and 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 then the curtain goes up, and there's John Williams, and he starts conducting the the indie theme, and and, and as yeah, and as they're leaving, uh, Harrison Ford just like got this mischievous like we got you guys like we got you guys and he's just like looking back at john williams because he knows what a badass john williams is and and the the theme and he so it's like harrison ford is like and, and any thought that you had that he was like oh i did you know i don't really want to be promoting in you know indiana jones again about you no know, he was having an absolute ball no he's always he was, said that it, it whether he likes it or not he's always believed it is part of the job it's a big yeah. part of the job to help sell the thing and he's always hit the trail for every movie that i've ever seen mm-hmm. he's always hit the trail hard and done the work of that even though he can be a little impenetrable the yeah you know, just because I just think that, you know, that's how he is. But you ask him the right question, you know. They they asked him on the, very famously, the clip came out just a couple of days ago, uh, the BBC, I want to say. Somewhere in England, him and Phoebe Waller-Bridge were doing a interview together. And the guy just said, you know, what do you want? 
what do you think made this so enduring or whatever? And he answered that in a, I mean, they were joking around the whole interview. Like he didn't give a straight answer to anything, but when he was asked this Mm -hmm. question in a serious way, really gives an eloquent thing about how, you know, that how the sub the such subtlety and honesty and the emotion of that story and that it's that stuff that, that he's the most proud of in it because he really thinks that's where the that's why the fantastical stuff all feels so meaningful because the individual emotion's so honest and and mm-hmm. and then the and and so and then the guy said well just I just want to say on behalf of all of us that uh, thank you, you know, it's been an incredible adventure. Harrison's basically on a victory tour right now. I mean, he got to play Con Solo again. He got to play Rick Deckard again. He got to play uh, Indiana Jones again. And what are largely really, really good movies. That's a neat thing to be able to do because I think, I think he missed his, although he's got a lifetime achievement award. I think he missed his Oscar moment. I think he regrets that, but the Emmy surely coming because now that he's doing TV, you know. yeah. But and he he, yeah, he, he, and he choked up legitimately, like he was at a loss for words. That really sincere, like a fan telling him how how treasured he is and how much they appreciate his contribution. I mean, it, it's watch it. It it it's yeah. gets you. It's really really cool. So there was a. One last, there was a TikTok, and this guy was, uh, it was, a, it was a junket, so he's circling, you know, it's everyone cycling through, and um, this guy's like, um, all right, let's play this or that with Phoebe Waller Bridge and Harrison Ford, and it was like, uh, what is more iconic, the hat or the theme, and and they each had, and they're like, oh, the theme, and Harrison's like, yeah, the theme, and they're like, uh, Raiders or uh, Last Crusade. And they both were like, oh, Raiders, Raiders. And then he goes, Temple of Doom or Crystal Skull? And uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is like, oh, Temple of Doom. And Harrison just like looks at the camera and he goes, Crystal Skull. <laughs> hey, baby. <laughs> like, like, yeah, like, <laughs> like you're going to debate me on this one? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, but it was just, it was very funny. It was just him like. Clearly, like I know, I may be the only one, but I'm saying Crystal I'm, Skull. I'm going with Crystal Skull. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's let's get back to you know again. We like Shatner. Harrison Ford stories are. Um... Hey, it's another. It's one last one, and this sometimes it's as simple as this. And Harrison's approach to work is not simple. He, he would say it's deceptively simple, but what he does is he focuses on what's important really, really well. There's a story about him when he was just starting out in. Uh, uh, one of his not his debut film, but his debut like film film, Dead Dead Heat on a Merry Go Round, I believe it's called, and he just did Messenger Boy in, it. and apparently the director of that film was like, ah, just, you know, made him do it three times. I was like, you, I'm sorry, kid, you are you're going nowhere. Let me tell you a little something, and maybe you'll wise up. Once I directed Tony Curtis when he was a young man, you bought your age, and he was playing a grocery store delivery boy. And even though he was in this tiny walk-on part just like you, as soon as he came in, I said, hey, there's a star, and I'm not seeing it with you at all. And Harrison said, I thought you were supposed to say, there's a grocery store delivery boy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. 
Uh, whether yeah. that's a true story or not, I don't know. That's my favorite Harrison Ford story. Uh, it's a 25-year-old, like, lipping off to the director. <laughs> yeah, well, he, you know, yeah, I mean, famously, he was a guy who was like, well, if acting works out, great. That's what he wants to do. But he's like, eh, I got other things I can do, too, that make him happy. Yeah, so, maybe. Maybe. I think, um, I right. think he secretly, deep down, could only be an actor. When you see the choices that he made, they were really, really brave mm. at the time. Um, so, I mean, he turned down Rob Reiner's role in All in the Family, for example. Yeah. And he didn't do it because he didn't need the work. He did it because he'd just done Love American Style and Gunsmoke and a couple other things. And he, he just he thought the show would be a hit, and he didn't want to be trapped is, and always known as this one kind of character and this one kind of thing. Yeah. And so he turned down what he really thought was going to be, a, 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 could have been a star-making and money-making thing, which it was. Yeah. And he, he did it because he saw he saw bigger, bigger other things for himself than that. He didn't want to get trapped. That's, that's. Brave. Hey, look, Rob Reiner, Rob Reiner has still, has made some of the um, most beloved films in, in uh, modern movies. And every day someone still calls him meathead. Um, <laughs> it's true. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, so those are the predominant acting style, you know, techniques and, um, uh, and how, actors built characters you know and obviously like anybody you steal little parts from this and you go over here and you steal this part and you 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 make it a buffet it's a hodgepodge uh and you you pick whatever is gonna what you know what what is what works for you um and then then you get into um as as theater becomes a little bit more experimental uh or i should not experimental but you know just a little some styles start to change a little bit as authors are coming up with um, their experimenting with their voices a little bit. Uh, you get um, David Mamet and William H. Macy and, uh, and Joe Montaigne and basically and the Montaigne. whole Chicago cabal, John Malkovich, Gary. Sinise. Yeah. I want to say, why don't it's, uh, are, was that, that's not the Atlantic theater. Well, those is guys, the, the guys thing? I just named are, is Steppenwolf yeah. Theater. That's not necessarily yeah, Mammoth, but was, though. But yeah. there's definitely a, 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 a it's and it's it's not only in Chicago, but it's definitely mm -hmm. a Chicago thing where yeah, it's yeah. like just hey, if the play is good and if it's bad, you shouldn't be doing it. If it's good, just say this stuff and it'll work. Don't yep. it's, it's let go of all this. Yeah. hand wringing and making things up if 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 where your character grew up was important it'd be in the play <laughs> so yeah. it's not important so don't spend any of your time now it's still not to say that there's not craft in the work when you read mammoth's take on acting but right but mammoth didn't want you getting bogged down he didn't want you to lose the rhythm of the thing or the character of the piece itself and nobody writes in rhythm better than David Mamet. So, you know, so he has a bit of a point, but I've always thought it's a, and there's this great, the foreword I remember to that book, or at least the version I had, that he co-wrote with his students at the time, um, was by Alec Baldwin. And at, 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 at the end of it, Alec had this total Alec Baldwin-ism 
where he was like, I fundamentally was a very famously quite method, at least in his early career. I completely disagree with everything David Mamet has to say, but you must read this book. Mr. Mamet is a genius! So you can play your little cue now if you want. Acting! Brilliant! Yeah, it's... Um... That's so funny. I'm yep. like, nice. Good job, Alan. Yeah. So they called that the practical aesthetics method. <laughs> That's a great and, name and, for it. Yeah. Uh, I, call it, and, uh, I will say it. I called it <laughs> act you. <laughs> and, um, so, um, but the, yeah, I mean, it is basically, it, it is like Ryan said, it's getting out, just get out of the way of the words. The, uh, the author has done all of the hard work for you <laughs> it's there in the page so take it have a literal understanding of the scene and know what the character wants and then figure out what you know on the then stage stand up straight and, and speak the lines so that they can yeah. be clearly heard and yep. you and, and you, bravo sir is basically yep. the thing <laughs> And and, and and they talk about the essential action tactics that the character can do at the moment, but then you know, and that and that's not new tactic. Oh, what do the, what what can the actor do now to try to get the what they want? Yeah. And it's like, but you know, it's tactics that the character can do at the moment with the information they have. So it's not you know it, it, it's it, it has to do with okay what what do you you know what does your character know? Don't pl don't play the end of this uh, of of the play mm -hmm. don't play you know you don't play you know what you you know what you grew up as doesn't you know like like you said if it, if it was important where you grew up it'd be in here <laughs> um it's what what information do you have and how does that you know and, and figure it out and then and then it's like oh as if so it's like now you need to think about something that happened in your life uh as if so that you can go well it's as if you uh like your dad left or something like that the the betrayal you feel is as if is as if that time that you uh you know um fell in the well or something like that although i uh, i couldn't name it when when i was in school and part of academia i was big time proponent of this particular yeah. technique in the school of acting um and I had a really good director, my favorite director, in fact, who, who when I posed that question, well, what does the character even know? I can't sit here and play what I know. I have to, it, ha it that doesn't, I mean, I, I have to, you know, I just find it difficult to rectify that. How do I, how do I learn all this stuff about somebody that they, they don't even really know about themselves and still be truthful? That's complicated. Mm -hmm. And the director said to me, and it's a great note, he said, well, there's what your character knows and there's what your character knows they know. <laughs> and <laughs> it's your job to keep track of both of those things. It's still you mm -hmm. up there. You know what I mean? Like it, it, that, And I was like, that sort of opened things up where I could maintain this maintain the tools of this approach which i find really really useful i i do it's more part of the stew now as you say it's more of the part of the hodgepodge but that yeah. that little thing was like i was like wow that's all right i mean that because mm -hmm. there, there is truth to that the character does know things about themselves they just don't know they know those things and 
and it let me have my cake and eat it too in terms of preparation and stuff in what I thought yeah. was a great way. And it's still one of the coolest things I I ask about any given character in any given time. So yeah, who would, can it, you say say who that director was? You know who the director was. I've only I done don't. shows for this particular director. For oh, okay. The last so two this decades, was so. okay. No, so this wasn't. This wasn't like. This wasn't like college or anything like nope. that. So the, no. Okay. This. Yeah. No. Then I know. And I not know. only that, I don't even. I can't even. Although I haven't named him, I can't even get friend of the show. I haven't coined. I don't even know that he coined the phrase. All I know was it's a super. It's just a great. It's it's a, a thing of the where if you've done all this and you've studied all this stuff and you've done the Meisner and I mean you're as an actor as an actor in academia it's certainly your responsibility to try all mm -hmm. this stuff out and to not be cynical about any of it. it doesn't what's the worst that can happen you just end up lying on the ground thinking mm -hmm. about being a lizard you take a little nap it it but what's not going to happen is you, there's no chance you get anything out of anything mm -hmm. if you just are have made up your mind that you won't from the from the beginning so right. i've always been like yeah i'll try anything i mean i don't sounds like bs to me but i will try anything let me give it an honest try at least and this was part of that where it was like if, if i really think that's a good philosophy i had to i had to kind of go down mm -hmm. that path and it's it's a fun one so that's why it, what you were saying seemed and what mammoth is saying frankly i think leads really nicely into that phrase yeah uh, and 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 what what you just said i think this is a, a a good way to cap this discussion i'm sorry i accidentally hit my button here um hey everybody i'm gonna do a workout apparently um nice uh so i don't know if those beeps uh picked up um but the uh what you said about <clears throat> your job in academia is to try all of these things without I think in any walk of life no. but I think especially in mm -hmm. school uh, I will only can, I can't speak to film but I can definitely speak to theater Joel's talked about what it means to be a theater professional and and I th there are plenty of places in the show where you can hear mm -hmm. him basically nail it 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 more than anything else all this stuff's the fun stuff of creating things and stuff the acting's the fun part acting the same thing 62 times in 30 days or whatever takes professionalism okay that's the job yeah that's yeah. where it becomes the job yeah. and that's that's no bs because i'm not particularly great at that part of the job i'll have to admit i get mm. bored really really easily um it's part of why there's not a lot of professional acting in in my life it's mostly volunteer and hobby acting but I will say this for academia, for high schools, for whatever, for one-act festivals and for colleges, that's where the theater is happening in the nation. It's where it still happens all the time. Theater is a tough thing. It's, it's, it's great when you live in a town with a ton of theater. It's great when you've got one of the most prestigious like uh, regional theaters as at your disposal where you can go and see stuff or where you can, that, where you can work if you're, if you're blessed and you work hard and you're talented. But... But uh, traveling the country, you see where the theater's happening, where they're putting on the plays. It really is in education. And I do think there, I, I, although that professional aspect of it is lacking there, understandably, it's still, I still like that. I like the arts in yeah. education. And I, I like that, that if, when every theater in America closes, I still really think the colleges and the high schools and stuff still 
gonna keep doing it and that's where it really really lives so yeah so when i talk um, about academia i'm talking about you know that's and we've yeah. talked about it on this show dana mm-hmm. that when we guessed it on her show she, she made a big point out of it what a theater degree gets you other than a lifetime in the theater it it, it, yes. it hey maybe it'll get you that and if so great it's it's a good path to get to that to actually have an education but it can get yeah. you so many other things and so uh, I, don't, I don't know how that fits with acting so much i guess that's a tangent yeah uh but but yeah but like you know and 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 academia uh, you know, the colleges and universities and then there's also you know your continuing education as, as an actor, uh, continuing to take acting classes and continuing to train and work and try to get better. And, or just at your read craft. or listen yeah. and learn from mm-hmm. others that you're working with. All that stuff yep. is part of it. And, and um, this is where uh, Melissa McCarthy said, and it was, it, we were watching her on hot ones the, where they eat the hot wings and stuff. <laughs> she was very funny on it, but she talked about, she was talking about in one of her acting classes and I, and she said the teacher's name and he was, and I can't remember the name in, um, uh, but she had said, um, he's like in here, when you come into the, the, the class, you need to take off all of your armor. You need to strip all that armor away. Um, and then he's like, however, I will not ever let you leave this, this place without putting that armor back on. <laughs> um, and, it, and, 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 and it's to what you, to what you said, when you're in academia, when you're in a classroom, when you're in that place of training, yeah, you gotta you gotta strip all that judgment away and just try, try and fail, and then try again and fail again, and um and then and then, but uh, I I liked when he you know the, the important part to me is is at the end when you're done with the training you still need to be able to go and exist in the outside world, and that isn't I don't think that is something that is taught enough that you know, to, to acting students is that, you know, when you're done acting, it's okay to be done. And it, you know, when you go out in the world, you don't need to still be on. And, you know, it's, you know, and uh, that this is, this is a craft. This is, you know, uh, it it can be art, but it's still something that you have to exist. um, You know, you have to exist in this world. So, uh, so I, I feel that that's a decent place to end this discussion of, uh, of acting and acting styles and film. And what does it all mean? Yeah, I don't know. And it doesn't mean a whole, it doesn't mean a whole hill of beans in this world. Um, if the actor that you like uh, makes you feel something and takes you along on a journey and helps and tells you a story, then they've done their job. And clearly, whatever technique they employ, it must have worked a little bit. Well, it's weird acting something everybody feels they have can have an opinion on, and of course they can. But it it is something that a lot of people have really strong opinions about it. Um, mm-hmm. don't really know much about what it is beneath the surface. You know what I mean? And right. it's and and so and there is a lot. There's a lot that goes into it. It it, it so. It's, so I don't know. Frankly, it's, 
it's it's why you know a lot of reality you know the 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 uptick in reality television in the 2000s and also have a lot of those people thought they were going to go on and have careers in front of the camera get of them movies have. and do it a couple of them have <laughs> but most of them did not that's why a lot of actors go i mean a lot, no, sorry a lot of athletes after they retire they're like well i'm still really i'm good looking and i'm ripped and and uh people say i'm funny so uh the guys in the locker room thought i was funny so uh i'm gonna go uh be on you know be on television and be on shows and and they'll go on for a while but then their shtick will wear really thin if they don't if you if you don't start you know if you don't pay attention to some of the stuff that we talked about and and learn how to you know you you can't you can't go just being, well, I'm approaching this acting, you know, you hear athletes like, oh, no, acting's a lot like uh, a, a lot like running a football play. You know, I'm told to come through the door over here and stop at this point and then walk back over here and say this line. And it's like that is a big part of it. That is a big part of it. Well, hit, hitting um, your mark with some consistency is not, no small thing. Yeah. Uh, well, there, that's, very you know, famously, Chris, Crispin Glover can't do that. <laughs> Yeah, well, he literally can't talk about go to a spot on the floor. He can't do it. He admits he can't do it. That's been a challenge for him as an actor. He's got to be a really unique character to still be in demand for anything. And there are certain things that uh, Hollywood can never use him for because he just can't do the that basic thing. And I admit, not everybody can. Maybe that the athletes are good at that. Yeah, and that's something we didn't talk about when we were talking about all of that, is all of this character technique and all of this work that you do uh, to immerse yourself in the life of this character and become be 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 one with the character. Um, if if you're not lit, if you're out of focus because you walked too far into the room, if you do all of this stuff, then none of that character work matters, and so you still have to have the presence of mind this is why full immersion character acting to me makes no sense because you still have to have yeah the the presence of mind to go i'm you know did i hit the mark that the director needed me to hit did i you know am i uh did i accidentally look down the barrel of the camera and and you know, being did, able to fully immerse yourself like the best example in the modern era is Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis, yeah. Um, and Daniel Day-Lewis is as good an actor as there's ever been. <laughs> so it's, yeah. but it's still, he's a big star. He's the star of every movie he was in for almost three decades. Like, it's a privilege to be able to do that, to be able to be called Mr. Lincoln the entire process. Mm-hmm. You know, that you're, that's not, every actor can't come to the party with that. And I'll give an example. And it, but I, it's again, it's hard to argue with what Day Lewis has put on the screen because right. it's it's stunning. So it just shows you that that the immersion works. It absolutely does. But you know, the guy who played the butler or the waiter, whatever, he can't be doing that stuff. It, it right. so it really is a thing where when you're the star, yeah, okay, we'll all yeah. we'll all get on number, board. Yeah, number maybe number one, maybe two and three on the call sheet. But that, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you a story about uh, what's his name um, on Succession. Is it Strong? What's his first name? Oh, Jeremy. Jeremy Strong. Strong. Really famous, immersive performer. Um, mm-hmm. And 
and he's working in an ensemble with a where it's kind of fun. Succession is a, is a really great. You can spot each kind of acting technique amongst the principal characters. It's really really interesting in that way. Um, at least that's one of the things I find interesting. Is that I find Succession somewhat overrated, but not to trot that term out, but. Jeremy Strong is really, really immersive actor. He's very, as a result, we talked, we talked and ripped on Joaquin Phoenix and joked about him a little bit. He's another one. Um, he's unpredictable in that way. He really does, regardless of what is required, he sort of follows his heart or his instincts and does that thing on screen. He, he, and I think Jeremy's a wonderful actor. Like I really enjoy watching him. I think he's fascinating on screen. In fact, so I wouldn't, Take that from him. He had to go through this whole thing where he did this article where he's granting access and trying to promote the show. And the article came out and basically kind of oh yeah yeah focused exclusively on what a wanker he was and not right. really anything else. And it and it shows you that the way you write something or what you choose to be interested in. You know, context really, really matters. Or when you're acting, the given circumstances really, really matter. And then he had Brian Cox off there telling him that he's it's, he's insane and stupid. And then, oh, I didn't mean he's insane <laughs> and stupid. But then the next interview, God, he's just crazy and a pain in the ass. That didn't help. Yep. Um. I'm, whatever. You know, Brian Cox is going to say what he's going to say. That's part of the joy right. of him. But... But it's sad. It's sad that that became the story, and that it is that this guy who's part of this big hit show that does do things a little bit differently. I just I found it. I I don't find myself empathizing with method actors when they do something weird or crazy very much. I feel like oh god, here yep. we go. I just for him, I really felt something, and I'm not sure why it is. I'm not sure why that is. You know, he's uh, yeah. the guy who won the Emmy. Uh, another guy I'm a big fan of, Matthew McFadden. Very, very technical actor. Really, really technical actor. And to kind of, now I don't want to say that he doesn't feel stuff, but I mean, really kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum and was really rewarded greatly for it on the show. He's brilliant on it. But it it's, I don't want to, I don't want to leave here going, it, what Joel says is right. It, it you know, I, I don't remember the actor that said it, but you quoted him before on the show, and this is the best thing I've heard about the method experience when you're on set with a star of some kind is, you know, you only ever hear about it when they're playing a jerk and they act like a jerk to everybody. You rarely ever hear the story of the immersive method movie star playing a kind, wonderful Mr. Rogers type <laughs> character and being super nice yep. to everybody when otherwise they might not do that. So it is on that level on that movie star level, it is sort of a, uh, a hall pass to act out amongst people and just let your yeah. ego be the thing that drives you. I get that, but I also know there's a lot of really interesting artists really putting interesting things up on the screen who really, really do immerse themselves in character. And I really, I know for a fact that that has provided us with a, a whole nother level of, of like emotional availability and empathy on screen. I'm just, I'm certain of that yeah. having watched, having watched people who don't really care what they're doing, 
kind of waltz through stuff. And there's there's places where that actually works pretty good, or where you see people who really like I, the fascinating one we talked about him earlier is Bob Odenkirk, who's now he's as good an actor as I've ever seen, and I think he cares about acting. But I think he yeah. I think he embraced the fact that he was coming to it from a different kind of place and that that place still had value. And so I think we honestly can say with him that we got something. With comedy, we got the classics, the greatest hits, the willingness to be absurd, the willingness to really trot just about anything you could imagine out there and commit to it. <laughs> and, yeah. and that, But that's he didn't create that. He just sort of mastered it. Um yeah. What we've seen from him as a dramatic actor, though, some I, I really believe we sort of haven't really seen before, or we've seen it from other comedic actors sort of trip into it in a sort of masterful way, yeah. and that's yeah. and it's it is a completely different kind of thing, you know. When they were getting ready to do uh, that show, the Breaking Bad uh, prequel. Better, better call Saul. Better call Saul. One of the things the two leads did, I can't remember her name either. She's brilliant too, in a kind of totally different way. And it, and there is a how women and men approach acting. It's not a sexual thing, but there is a different way. I think that as animals on the planet, we access emotions and things like it. So there really is different methods that you know. I should say that too. But they did a thing where they just hung out. He, she. She came over to his house or whatever, and they just hung out for a weekend. And by the end of the weekend, they just weren't even talking to each other. Not because they weren't getting along, but because they just sort of ran out of ways to pretend that they were domesticated and they didn't have anything to say. And yeah. both of them, the thought occurred while they were doing this, well, this is this is actually what it's like. Like, this is working. If this was somebody I had to keep entertained or keep engaged you know what I mean? Like, yeah, professionally yeah. in this moment, I don't think it would be as honest as this. Us just being here, seeing it to the end of our our pre, you know, proposed deadline, but doing it, whatever, like blowing the rest, not blowing it off, but just content to be quiet with somebody else. And they both, in an interview, discovered that each of them had the same thought, essentially, while they were doing it. Yep. And that that's how they in that that was some weird unconventional way that they hit it off. Yeah. That sort of thing is I mean uh, uh, all those yeah. sorts of anecdotes and that those all those different approaches that's what's so fun about them. So even the ones that I kind of don't see a lot of wisdom in, I don't want to send them out. I you know, it's mm -hmm. should yeah, be yeah. easy enough. It should be easy enough to, to to not be an asshole even if you know, even if like Day Lewis, if you're in, if you're the title character and you're the big movie star and you're in literally every scene in a three-hour movie or whatever, yep. you, your process is important, and I think we should all gather around and honor it. Right. right. At the same time, uh, don't be an asshole about it. Which I don't. There are many reports about right. him being a dick, or there's thing reports about him doing weird stuff, but not yeah. just being mean to people for its, its own sake. Yeah. I, I would hate to That's see. I mean, I'm, it's not political correctness. That's not it at all. But there, there's a new awakening to how people treat each other and what a kind of rough and almost abusive place the halls of power can be. And that's tr as true for mm -hmm. Hollywood as it's about any place anyone's ever been. And that doesn't mean that we look back on 
Daryl Zanuck's movies and condemn all of them because he did something awful or right. Kevin Spacey movies or whatever, whatever you, whatever you want to go at. But, but you know, I don't think you do that. I think you, you honor that. That's good. That's what me too. And other things have brought about. And I think we were, we could have the potential to really live in a better world because of that. Right. But I do still hope that people are willing to put themselves out on the limb because you, you, that to me that is where the magic happens. I think if you really, yeah. you know, and movies have the resources to let you do that. So I'd say go, you know, whereas not every project that you're involved in does, not every pilot in South Pacific is going to be allowed to, you know, hit the ground running. <laughs> <laughs> oh i have yeah i have you know it's south pacific right it's so funny i mean obviously there's yeah. trust between you, know, you guys or he would he would you know if, if, yeah i mean joe he would yeah, never have, said anything like that would could potentially hurt somebody's feelings with that yeah He's like, you know this is a <laughs> we're about to sing a song right? here right yeah. i mean I mean, and that said just, how much more interesting we just was just dancing the, how much yeah. more interesting was that guy that you went as far probably as was beyond what was probably appropriate intensity for the scene. And, and you, 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 if you travel there, then dialing that back and still having it be in there someplace. Like I talked about when a a director knocks your dominoes down that you've set up so carefully and they knock them all down and you're just like, I don't know how to do anything. I can't move. I can't get out of the chair. Um, yeah, the I, I the way to do it is, first of all, just shut up and do what they're asking. Try that first, mm-hmm. and then yeah. you'll find, you'll find maybe that's maybe that's a useful domino. Maybe those things can. You'll never find out if it can if they can work together if you don't try stuff. So yeah, yeah, and, and you know, yeah, you, again, you do it. Yeah, you come it comes to a point where you have to. Who have was a Dustin Hoffman playing in that play? Tolstoy or something? Yeah, Somebody, something like some that. famous yeah. person on their deathbed. You want me yeah. to get up <laughs> and walk to the chair. It, it, it's uh, a great yeah. scene because it tells us who this guy is in a, in a fantastic moment. But, but, uh, mm-hmm. and what does Sidney Pollock say later? Because Tolstoy can't talk when he's walking or walk when he's talking is craziness or whatever. <laughs> this is fantastic. Die yeah. when he's walking or walk when he's dying. Nobody will work with you. Yeah. And that guy, as Joel pointed out when we talked about Tootsie back in our third 1982 episode, uh, that guy's a dick. (laughs) Yeah. He knows a lot about acting. He mentors people, I think, in a useful way. But he's still, in the ways that matter, maybe he grows up over the course of the movie. The movie Mm -hmm. ends before we can be sure of that. We know Mm -hmm. he's learned a lesson because he's expressed it. We haven't seen it in action yet. But... But he's he's a jerk, you know. He's a jerk yep. actor. He's a he's a pain in the ass. This man, yeah. you're dressed up like a tomato, man. Just hit your mark and sway back and forth. What the hell's the matter with you? It takes <laughs> it takes all kinds, and yep. and it and the, the and acting and actors and it's just even true for big movie stars and great big movies. They're at the mercy of a lot of stuff, so. Take yeah. it easy on them too is the other thing that I would say. And, I, and the, I, there's and, some I don't like, but mostly I try to get. I really try to get. Hey, 
you were hired for this. Uh, Hollywood likes to put you in a pigeonhole, and they, it's, not everybody's brave enough to turn that stuff down like Harrison did mm-hmm. back in the early 70s. You got to... You take the work and you do the best you can sometimes. That's yep. what it's like for the vast majority of people. Yep. Um, I go, Going back to Bob Odenkirk, I'm very, I, I made a departure from what the, what I usually read to wind down my days. And I'm reading his biography that he, that he wrote. So I'm really excited to, uh, to, to sort of follow this story uh, of him as someone who uh, devoured and I could, recite almost every episode of mr show um and and so many of his other his other things in the comedy world um and you know and then seeing him evolve into the actor that he is i'm really excited to read this so that's a little bit that's a little bit different um so that is gonna do it for uh for this episode um Hopefully it was and, somewhat uh, instructive and yeah. fun. We tried to fill it with as many. I tried to fill it with as many anecdotes as, as I could. And and you know what? That's and again, like we said, ultimately all of this is just uh, is is just in service to try to tell a story. And but we thought you might be curious as to what and you know what are telling stories that... bring us closer to each other. The most important tool you have mm-hmm. as an actor and a director and a writer and an audience member is empathy. Yep. God gave Indeed. you the ability to imagine. And when you use that imagination to walk a mile in someone else's shoes, whether it's a character, whether it's your neighbor that you're fighting over the landscaping with or whoever it is that you try and see things from their perspective, that's that's how we all evolve, man. That's the path to Valhalla. That's the, that's the true mm-hmm. way. I believe that to the core of my being. So that's where we're going to end it. Don't forget empathy. Thank you for listening to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan. Remember, all views and opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the speaker and do not represent those people, institutions, or organizations that the speaker may or may not be associated with, unless explicitly stated. None of these views and opinions were intended to malign or deceive. And now, here's the producers, circa 1982, to play us out.